love for the children. Okay. Great. All right. So, please turn your Bibles over to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse, we're going to be reading verse 25 to 40 as we continue with our Advent series. I entitled our message tonight, It's Worth the Wait. Um, let me begin reading. I'm reading from the New International Version. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the failing, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are, our powerful, our, our mighty, our gracious and merciful, our all-wise God. We thank you for your patience with us, Lord God. We thank you for your relentless mercy and your everlasting grace. Father, we pray now because we all feel and we know that this is the Christmas season. We pray for our family and friends um, that are still not Christians, that are, have not surrendered to your Lordship. We pray for their hearts, Lord God. We pray that um, sooner or later, Lord God, they will surrender to your Lordship. Tonight, Father, if they are here in your building, Father, I pray that you will open their hearts and they will accept your message of grace for them. We thank you for this building, this church family, and the songs that we just sang. We thank you for the, the, their sacrifice, the staff, Lord God. We pray for them, Lord. Please continue to bless them and guide them. We pray for this church of yours, Lord God. We pray for unity in this church. We pray that we continue to serve you and you alone and glorify you and you alone. Father, now we ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us and to anoint me, Father God, as you speak again, 
through me, Father, I pray that you open the eyes of the hearts of your people. May we all be humble, Lord God, and accept whatever it is that you want us to learn and understand. Guide us, Father, and be with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so we, we read quite a bit there, but um, I know when we get into the Christmas mode, you know, we see the snow, we see the Christmas tree, we see the presents, and then we come to church, that's the time, hopefully, that we remember that Christmas is really about Jesus, right? Amen. At least a couple, right? That's good. That's good. Um, you know, there's, last week we spoke about the struggle in waiting, and, and you know, there's, um, this is how we wait. This is the, this is the effects of, uh, or the, the results of how we react on waiting. Um, part of our experience of waiting is cultural. And how time elapses while we wait can vary from person to person and context to context. We wait differently and we have different expectations that are grounded in our specific cultures. From the cultural expectations about waiting in lines in the Philippines, right? Waiting for a jeepney or a tricycle, whatever. You're always waiting in the Philippines, right? To, the common, to a common practice in, in Uganda of arriving hours early to the bus stop each morning so that people can wait together as a community gathering, which is the same in the Philippines. That's where we see our friends and family at the waiting area. But while part of our perception of, dura or of duration may be linked to these cultural experiences of waiting, part of our awareness of duration is also a cognitive process that is wired into how our brains function. After a period of working with a particular device, according to computer scientist Ben Schneidman, our brains begin to set expectations to how quickly it should respond. Right? Right now, you look at your phone, you say, man, this is taking too long. It's not downloading. But you forgot when it was dial-up, for those of you who are old enough to remember, right? Five minutes before you connect, right? If these expectations aren't met, we move on to the next task, often around the two-second mark, unless something calls us back. How we wait is a combination of technological expectations, how quickly we believe that our technologies should be working, or our cultural expectations, how the context in the society set up certain expectations about how people should wait according to their position with that society, and how our brains are able to pay attention while waiting. Waiting and how you're annoyed with it or how patient you are with it comes from those things. But what we just read here are two very patient people, very patient people, patient with the Lord. Simeon waited many years before he saw the, the promised son that God told him about. Same with Anna, the prophetess. She was told by God and she trusted God and she waited for God expectantly, both of them were waiting in expectation that God will come true, will come through His word and His promise. Us Christians now, we, unfortunately, most of us, if not all of us, we've fallen into the, into the trap of what the world tells us, which is, get it now. It's now or never. Do not wait. Waiting is for losers. <laughs> Uh, maybe I just made that up. 
Now there's a, I have a couple of illustrations here for uh, waiting for something that is worth the wait because our title is worth the wait. Now, because you crave it, right? The things that we wait that's worth the wait, are the, most of the time it's food, right? It's worth it. Do you, do you guys know that in the Chick-fil-A, whenever, when they opened here, do you remember, for you guys who came here, the wait was so long. The lines for the drive-thru were long. Uh, and it wasn't just here. It also happened in, in uh, Portage, Michigan, while people were camping with tents before Chick-fil-A opened. And it also happened in Cicero, New York. Well, they will line up there while it was snowing because they wanted God's chicken. <laughs> they said it was worth the wait. The Lord's chicken was worth the wait. And you know, there's um, now if you're in trouble, and you're in trouble, and you're waiting, right? We're waiting for someone to help you with your trouble. You know, last Wednesday, Anna's car... Um, Anna's car always gives me problems. Other than the monthly payment I, I put in it, it gives me problems. Her battery died on a Wednesday while I was in the middle of preparing for a Wednesday, devotion, uh, Wednesday prayer service. Uh, so she, I told her, wait, I'll be there. The, the good thing was it was only down the road. So she only waited for like five, seven minutes tops. Um, but then, you know, the battery was dead. I couldn't jump it. So, you know what? I called, uh, the, I was thinking, who can I call? Because I'm in, I'm in May Ann, right? And it, was, it was cold and it was at 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. I first called John because our deacon John, he's always somewhere in the But he didn't pick up. He didn't pick up my call. He saw it was Joe. He's like, he's going to need something. Click. <laughs> no, no. He called me back later on. And then the next guy in my mind, because everybody else was working, I said, you know, there's this one brother that I can truly count on, and he's not working because he's retired. I called Brother Edgar. <laughs> Brother Edgar lives all the way to the southwest, right? And I go, Brother Ed, this is the situation. And he goes, oh, man, I'm cooking right now, but I'll be there. I go, sure. I hang up. You know what? I was waiting expectantly, and I knew he was coming because I knew from the past when, I, when Brother Edgar told me he'll be there, he was always there. I just had to wait. Because I knew where he lived, you know, given traffic and all that stuff. You know what? He got there. He got there. He got the jumper cables, parks there like an action star, you know. And then he was bleeding. So he had a band-aid here. He goes, man, I cut myself because I was, I was hurrying to get here. You know, when you're, when you're in trouble, for some odd reason, when you're count, the person that you're counting on, you're patiently waiting for them because you're already in trouble, Right? So it's the same thing when you're craving something, you're patiently waiting because you're craving that Chick-fil-A, right? Or when you go to a restaurant and you were craving for some food and they're, they're taking forever, but you're just patiently waiting there. But sometimes when it comes to God, we lose all our patience, right? We said 10 prayers already and he hasn't answered it. My goodness, is he busy or something? You know, I'll stop going to church because up to now, God has not answered my prayers. He has not come to my rescue. I've been craving for this one thing, Lord. I've been needing this one thing. But yet, Lord, you're not, you're not responding. It seems like it's taking you forever. You look at Simeon and Anna. They waited for many long years. 
But they waited because God promised, and they know that they can trust God. You know, the, our attitude on how we wait on God depends on how we know of God. And if we know that He is faithful, we will not give up on waiting for Him. Correct? Just like when you know as the line goes on slowly at the drive-thru, you know you'll get there, right? Whether it's 30 minutes later or 20 minutes later or an hour later, you know that once you're on the line, you'll get it. You called that brother of yours and he said he'll be there. You know one minute he'll be there. You know the word Messiah? Oh, do we have the... the intro? Okay, this is my introduction. And then let's go to the Messiah. The Greek word of the week is Christos. Messiah is... Greek word is Christos. It means... It means anointed. So Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name like Joe Salcido, no. It's, it's Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the anointed one. Because, you know, in, in, the, in the past, in the Old Testament, when, when they will choose the king, who the king will be, or the prophet, they will be, they will be uh, anointing there. So it's the same thing when Jesus was the chosen one, is the chosen one. Chosen one for what? Chosen one to rescue us from the fires of hell, from the consequences of our sin. That's what Christmas is. And as beautiful as our stage is right now, the compliments of Larry and Loretta and Ati Ching, as they decorated this, the one beautiful, most beautiful thing here, as pretty as the Christmas trees are and the, the presents are, is the cross. The cross is the most beautiful thing for any believer. The empty cross. Not the cross where Jesus is still crucified there, but it's the empty cross. Why? Because on, in, on that cross is where Jesus spilled His blood for us to pay for our sins against Him. Not His sins, but our sins. So that's the most beautiful gift. And in Him resurrecting, that's why it's empty, because He resurrected, because that in His resurrection, He proved that He is God. And by Him dying, He proved that He was 100% man, making Himself the perfect sacrifice. Because every sacrifice against God, blood, blood must be spilled. That's the protocol. You sin against God, blood must be spilled. But God made a, did away with that when Jesus came. That I know we're celebrating Christmas on December 25. We know that that's probably not correct. right? But the truth is, Jesus came down. God, in the flesh, came down one day, that, one, that evening, for that purpose. So this Christmas, please be reminded, as you enjoy those Christmas songs and your, 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 your relationships with your loved ones, it's, it's a great thing to celebrate. But the most, the most important one, let it, do not mistake, don't make the mistake of ignoring it, is the fact that Christmas was when Jesus came down so that he can die on the cross for your sins and mine. So the next point, Sovereign Lord, this is Simeon. Simeon is our, our point now. Simeon, he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
Now, we just read about two people, Simeon and the prophetess Anna. Both waited a significant amount of time for God in the flesh to come, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior of Israel. It's a common knowledge that, we, that the wait is worth the while for that special someone. Is that correct? Now, for the single people here who are dating, if your boyfriend or girlfriend cannot wait for marriage in order for them to sleep with you, they're not your special someone. They're not your special someone. You look for the next person. Look for another person. Because if you're that special, you're worth the wait. Amen? And the only way that you can, you can consummate is in marriage. Again, in marriage. Now, it is a common knowledge that, we, that the wait is worth the while for that special someone. We also know that when we are in trouble or in need of help, there is a good chance that we have to wait, correct? When you call 911, you still have to wait. And we put our hope on that person or organization to be true to their word that they are coming, correct? Yeah, when we're in trouble. I love that, that show. When I was in the Philippines, there was a show, 911. They made a show about it. I don't know if you guys here in America knew about it. Maybe just us. But I, I loved it. I was like, wow, in America, they have that number to call when they're in trouble. And somebody will always come. Because you know in the Philippines, oh my gosh, if your house is burning, you might as well just find another place to live. Because the, the fire department will never come. And when they come, I was there. This happened. My, my, my cousin's house, uh, her, their neighbor was burning. So we're all waiting. We're like trying to do it on our own, you know, with the pail. We're like doing this pail thing. Like, all right, what are they coming? They're coming. They're on their way. They get there. The fire department gets there. Turn on their water hose. And they go, oh, we're out of water. Then you're like, what do you mean you're out of water? Isn't that the first thing you look for as a fireman? But anyway, you can't count on that in the Philippines, you know? But, but here, you get that number, and you, you're counting on them, and they'll be here. You call the cops, you know, it depends on what, what situation you're in. I'm, I'm finding out, you know, if it's murder, like seven minutes, they're there. If it's, you know, a simple petty thing, they'll probably be there tomorrow. But, you know, they'll come, they'll come. Now, both Simeon and Anna heard from the Lord. That's the one thing, Christians. If you heard from God, you can put it in the bank that He will respond accordingly. All the promises in the Bible, He has come true and will come true. Now, that's the same thing that Simeon and Anna uh, had. They both heard from the Lord and they counted on that and they waited and they saw it in fruition. He said there, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In that verse there, verse 29. For my eyes have seen your salvation. See, for Simeon, the most important thing was seeing the Lord. You know, for us Christians now, the most important thing, I'm saying Christians, maybe not all of us. I, I, I should say this though. I'll be bold in saying this and I could be wrong, forgive me. But, Maybe from time to time, the most important thing for us is not God. But for Simeon, it was. When he finally met God, he said, I can now go in peace, Lord. He can now take me. The song that they kept repeating, singing earlier, good job, by the way. He said, the one thing 
I ask is to be with you, Lord. I don't know if somebody were whispering, not yet, Lord. The one thing, the one thing. Not yet, not me, Lord. Maybe them. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Because when we're seeing now, we're, we're expressing it. When we're saying, I love you, Lord. I love you. I want to be with you, Lord. Do you really mean it? Because what if he takes you now? With your unfinished plans. And you haven't seen your, your children graduate from college. You didn't walk your daughter down the aisle for, for her wedding. What if he says, now? Is that okay? Amen. If your answer is yes, wow, you know what? You're walking. You're walking with the Lord. If your answer is no, I don't know. Then you know that there's more of God that you need to understand and to know. Because for Simeon, that's all that mattered. He said, I can go now. He can take me now. This Christmas time, when we say, Merry Christmas, after we do that countdown, we have to say, Lord, I'm ready. Whatever your will is. I don't know. Is that too much? What's the worst thing for a Christian? What's the worst thing that will happen to a Christian, to us Christians? The worst thing, let me tell you, the worst thing is that we will die. But you know what? When we die, it's the best thing that will ever happen to us because then we'll be in heaven. Who cares about Mexico at that point, right? Or, or, or Palawan or whoever, wherever your, your dream vacation is. Because boy, I tell you, you put all those places together. The Bible says this place is, is no one has ever imagined it. No place like heaven. But the most important thing in heaven, most important person in heaven is God himself. Just like Simeon. He said, take me now. When Mary and Joseph brought Joseph to the temple for circumcision, they met a man named Simeon. Now, uh, Josh Matthews describes the character of Simeon uh, by saying, Luke portrays Simeon as ex exemplary in the way he read and reflected upon the Old Testament. This devout and righteous man was waiting in Jerusalem, longing expectantly for Scripture's fulfillment. Are we like that, Christians? Are you reading your word and you're expecting it, you're, you're expectantly waiting for the promises of God to come true in your life, in the world, for other people's life? Now, in Sim Simeon was not just any man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God promised Simeon that he would see the Messiah before he died. When he saw Jesus, he blessed him, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, there's, there's more points in there that I want to unpack. First is the prophecy itself is a statement of the mature faith of Simeon. He can die in peace as, as you have promised and be taken by God, his sovereign Lord. There is a significant equation in this remark. To see Jesus is to see God's salvation. Because if you want to be saved from your sins, it's Jesus and Jesus only. Amen? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not by your good works. It's not by your, the money that you donated. It's not by the help that you're doing with the homeless people or your relatives in the Philippines. No, it's because Jesus died on the cross for you and you accepted that gift. Now, Simeon's job 
was a, he was a sentinel. You know what a sentinel is, right? He was the guard. It's, it's, the, it's the soldiers that watches. It's the soldiers that watches. So that's Simeon. That was, his, that was his job. He was waiting and he was watching, watching for Jesus, watching for God to come. And then the second point is God's work is for all people. If you look at their, the reference of the people ultimately is broad, encompassing both Jew and Gentile, right? As verse 32 makes clear. In fact, Jesus is the light, an image that recalls the description of the Davidic son as the day spring or bright morning star. But Jesus serves as light in two distinct ways. For Gentiles, he is a revelation. This term refers to his opening up the way of salvation to the nations in a way unknown before his coming. But for Israel, God's people, Jesus is glory. That is, his activity represents the realization of promises made by God and thus shows Israel's special place in his heart which is in Isaiah 46:13. And this is Isaiah 40 uh, this is Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3, the glory of Zion. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory ap- appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now, Simeon had experienced the letdown of seeing religious leaders claiming to be the Messiah come and go. In the time between the Old and the New Testaments, many political and religious leaders created revolts and stated that they were the chosen one who would bring God's people out of bondage. Each one was destroyed by the empires that controlled Palestine, and Israel was left waiting. Perhaps we have that same problem with what we think God should do and what He has promised. We've created expectations of what God should do in our lives and how God should move. And when they don't come to pass, we wonder if God keeps His promises. But we must have a biblical understanding of what God has promised along with faith in His sovereignty and wisdom. Amen? Sometimes we put God on the spot where we think He needs to condone our sinful behavior. We ask for a miracle that God helps us with our test, while all along we partied and we didn't study. Right? And we say, Lord, You can do all things. Please help me get at least a C in this test. Lord, I know I cheated on my wife. Lord, please do the miracle for her not to find out. But even in the midst of disappointment, Simeon didn't give up. And one day he finally saw the Messiah he had hoped for. Simeon is not witnessing a, a political movement or military revolt to overthrow Rome. He does not experience a revival of strict law keeping led by the Jewish religious leaders of the day. Nor is that the kind of fulfillment he has been expecting. All that Simeon has longed for is wrapped up in this baby he now holds in his arms when he said that prayer. How many of us and how many times did we give up on God because it felt and it seemed like he was taking forever in our request? of help from Him. 
knowing who he is, that he is faithful, that he is true to his promises. In our study, as you read it, it that's one thing. That becomes real when God tests, tests our faith by making us wait on his promise. And again, the biggest problem of our culture, our Amer American culture and our society, is that we do not like to wait. Second is Anna. The prophetess Anna. Now, Anna is among only a handful of women in the Bible that, that held the title prophetess. The others are Miriam, the sister of Moses, Deborah, not Reyes, but the judge and judges, Huldah, the wife of Shalom, and Isaiah's wife, and Philip's four unmarried daughters. Now, Anna, she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seventy years, seven years after her marriage. Then she became a widow. And then she was a widow until she was 84. Now, Anna had been married only seven years and became a widow. You know, in that culture before, women cannot work. And once they become a widow, they become desolate, right? Just like Ruth's um, uh, mother-in-law, um, na not Naomi. Is it Naomi? Naomi, right? Yes. Not the sisters here, but in the Bible. I love biblical names, so it's all over the place here. Um, Especially Jojit, right? It's in the Bible. <laughs> now, um, most tra translations indicate that Anna was 84 years old and when she met Jesus. But it, it is also possible to translate the text to mean Anna had lived 84 years after her husband died. That would mean Anna was at least 104 years old if she had married at the age of 13, which is the typical marrying, marrying age at that time. Now, either way, she had spent the vast majority of her life without a husband and was ministering before the Lord in the temple. Talk about living for the Lord and waiting on the Lord. Now, if you, if you look at verse 37, if you look at 37, she, it said there, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. After becoming a widow, Anna dedicated herself wholly to the Lord. She never left the temple in Jerusalem, but spent her time worshiping, fasting, and praying. It is possible that Anna was given living quarters at the temple because of her designation as prophetess, or she may have lived close by. What stands out is that her devotion was constant for the majority of her life, and her devotion was rewarded with an encounter with her Savior. Her many years of sacrifice and service were worth it, all when she beheld the Messiah, the one for whom she had waited so long. When you accepted Christ, do you remember when you, that first time when you accepted Jesus? Do you remember that big burden that was lifted from your chest or your shoulder? Knowing that, that this time, I know where I'm going and it's heaven. Not because of me, but because of what he did. Remember that feeling? And at that time, couldn't, you, you would trade anything for the world for that moment, right? And you did, right? But then, unfortunately for us Christians, especially here in America, you know, the world takes us again, right? Just when we thought we were out, they pull us back in, right? 
right? It's, I, know, I just did a godfather thing there. But it's just, it does happen. With our best intention in mind, that we want to live for God, no matter what, the world takes us and captures us and pulls us back. Now Mary and Joseph arrived at the temple with the baby Jesus to satisfy the Old Testament law. They needed to make the purification offering, which is in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6 to 8, and to present Jesus as their firstborn before God. While they're there, a man named Simeon cradles the Lord Jesus in his arms, praises God, and utters a prophecy concerning Jesus and Mary. Mary. At this moment, Anna enters, and then she immediately recognizes Jesus as the long-awaited Savior and begins thanking God. If you know God and you've been walking ever so closely with Him, you know that whatever you know very well how God speaks to you, and you know if it is God that's speaking to you, whether it's through your devotion or you're through your prayer time or through your circumstances, you very well know. You know if you're not living for Him right away. You know. I wouldn't. You would know better. The only indicator that I have as your pastor is if you're coming to church. And if nobody's coming to church and I'm thinking everybody's living in sin. <laughs> no, but I don't, I, there's no way for me to see your heart, correct? The only way that I can, I can maybe take a guess is if, if you're faithfully coming to church on Sundays, if you're, if, you're, if you're active in other ministries, right? And if you're, you're, your fellowship with other believers is, is, is in line. And if one of those are off, then, then there's something wrong. But Anna knew. Anna knew right away. Nobody had to tell her that this is Jesus. She walked in and she saw and she said, praise God. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna the prophetess is among the first few to bring honor to the kingly babe born in a stable. Good news is meant to be shared. Amen? And Anna shares it with everyone who was anticipating the Messiah. The Redeemer had come. The prophecies were being fulfilled. And Anna was blessed to see it happen. If good news, again, is good news, if you have good news, you want to share it with everybody, correct? I know I heard the Spider-Man movie was good and my children cannot stop saying that it is a good movie. And, but for us Christians, the good news is, Jesus. You know, the year is about to end. You, you Christ, us Christians, we have to look at the year back and say, to how many people did I share Jesus with? How many times did I buckle down and say, I don't want to share because I don't want to lose my friendship with them? Or how many times did you take that bold step with God and saying, Lord, I'm doing this for you, not for me. I'm going to share Jesus to my friend. Hopefully, you open their eyes. Right? Because good news is for us to share. If we are ready, um, so the title of our message is Worth the Wait. Uh, we have a video for us to watch here. If you kids can please give me a few. Ready? Okay. You, you get the joke right away, right? When, you, when we say DMV, right? I'm going to the DMV, and you say, may God be with you. 
for some of us, it's worth the wait. And some of you are saying, it's not this message for sure. <laughs> this message is taking way too long. But waiting, waiting on God, and when we get to become impatient, you know, in essence, we're saying, when we're saying, Lord, you're taking way too long, you know what we're saying? He's making a mistake. God, you're, you're wrong in this one because I needed this yesterday. I needed this to happen a year ago. You're wrong to make me wait this long. You know, in James, in James it reads, trials and temptations, that's the Heather, Verse 2 reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Have we ever considered that part of us waiting is God making our faith grow and mature? Right? Same with our children, right? As they get older, when they're little, they want something. Right away, we tend to it. When they're babies, right? They, all they need to do is cry, right? Oh, what is it? What's wrong? Are you hungry? Oh, no, no. She's not hungry. Are you wet? Right? That's all they need to do. And then we attend to their needs right away. But as they get older, when they're hungry, we say things like, where's the please? Where's, what's the magic word? Say please. And then we say, you have to wait. Right? Imagine a 40-year-old guy and you're still treating them as if they're babies. Mom, I'm hungry. Ah! And they're like, oh, go eat. Right? Isn't that, if that makes perfect sense in our human standards, don't you think it should be the same in our spiritual life? Because God knows better than us. He knows when the right time is to answer that prayer request. He knows. And He knows if what we're asking for is actually wrong for us. So He will not give it. It's the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6-9. to In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. They have come so that the, prov so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, we tend to take that for granted because we heard it many years ago. The salvation of our souls. That's why it's not a big deal anymore because we know, yeah, I get it. I'm going to heaven, man, but I, I want to get married to this other person who's married. <laughs> it, 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 it's, we argue with God and we struggle with Him. And then we take it for granted to a point that we don't care anymore if we were saved. All we care about is the pain. Now, take the pain away now, Lord. Fill the hole now, Lord. Fill my emptiness now. Now, at times, 
For some of us, or if not for all of us, God takes his time to answer our prayers, to relieve us of our pain or the pain and suffering that others have and are causing us, or a certain circumstance that is just not make, it's not, it's making us hurt. And God's still not taking us out of that circumstance. But we have to believe that God is sovereign. He does what He does for His pleasure. Now some have taken that against Him, but the other truth about God is that He is holy. Everything that He does, when He does it, is out of His holiness. Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the Anointed One, is the proof of God's love for us. That's why Christians, you have to share that. You have to share the gospel. In this church, we say to know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. We might have shared the gospel to someone and they accepted Christ, and we're not seeing any change in them. But you know what? It sh that should not stop us from praying for them. That God will finally be the most important thing in their lives. Right? Just like Simeon and Anna, they waited for a long time to see, to see God. But when they saw God, when they saw Jesus, they celebrated. And it's, it's the same thing for us. Up to now, us Christians, we're still waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? I know life is good, especially us here in America. Life is good. But you know, in other parts of this world, in other parts of this country, in other parts of this city, some people are suffering. And there's no other way for them to, there's no other thing for them to look forward to. So we have to understand that there's injustice that's happening, that we, we're, not because we're not seeing it, it's not happening. There's people dying of hunger. There's injustice that's happening. There's people in power that is manipulating a lot of people into a point of slavery style. So what do we want? We want Jesus to come. Amen? We should want that. We should want that. We should wait for that expectantly because that's in His Word. That's in His promise. Now lastly, Psalm 90 verse 4 reads, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. And in 2 Peter Second Peter 3.8, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. It reminds me of Bong. My friend Bong prayed to Jesus. He was praying to God. He bought the lottery, a lottery ticket. Bong. And he said, Lord, with you nothing is impossible. He says, you parted the Red Sea. Lord, if you let me hit this lottery today, Lord God, I will change the lives of my Christian brothers in our church. And God answered him. He said, Bong, I will give you your answer. Just give me a day. <laughs> because a day is a thousand years. That's the joke. <laughs> okay. Okay, anyway, we may wonder, <laughs> oh, wow, that went wrong. Uh, that didn't work out. We may wonder why God didn't just fix sin right away, right? Some of us were wondering, why did God just not fix sin in Genesis 4? He could have just killed the, the enemy, right? He took years until it was right. It, he took many years until Jesus came. 
N.T. Wright says, I think part of our problem here is that when we read the Bible, we read it with long hindsight. We look and we say, oh yeah, there's God rescuing his people from Egypt. Well, yes, that is dramatic and that happened. But then in the Psalms, the poets are saying, has God forgotten us? Has he, has, has he forgotten to be gracious? Has he abandoned us? It's been a long time now. The great book of Isaiah promised a great new moment when God would come in person and would be king. And yet, it was 500 years before Jesus came. During those 500 years, many Jews pondered and prayed and struggled. Other people said, oh, it's just a load of old mythology. It's never going to happen. But they kept on praying and waiting. And finally, at that explosive moment in, in time, God was born in the flesh. Now, some things just don't happen automatically. At least the things that are worth it don't happen automatically. Marriages, great marriages, doesn't happen overnight. Correct? People are just not, they just, they just, it, a mom will not just give birth that one day. It will take nine months, right? There's a long process. You think of preparing a home-cooked meal. Time is spent cooking and, and curing and, and slicing apples and cutting butter into a flour mixture and then rolling out a crust for an apple pie. It takes effort to snap and cut green beans or create a cream sauce and slice mushrooms for homemade green bean casserole. You know, I think this are, these things are so much easier compared to how you cook a Filipino meal. In the dish, you know, you... You thaw it, and then you boil it, and then you cut, and then you dice, and then you fry, gisa, right? And then you cook, and then you mix, and then you serve, and then they say, needs more salt. <laughs> but think about, or think about building a foundation of a home. It, it, there's hours are spent excavating foundations and compacting the dirt before concrete can be poured and a home can be built. Every beautiful garden came from seeds, water, and time. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. God is taking His time with us the way He sees fit. Whatever we're asking from Him for us and for our lives, God is the one that's making the decision. Now or later? No or yes? Maybe or are you serious? Why are you asking for that? Right? I mean, God knows better than us. And we can trust Him because He loves us, because He is merciful, because He is gracious. And we can count on Him to make good on His promises because He is faithful and He is powerful. Amen? Amen. This Christmas time, amidst the, the joy and happiness that you're feeling, uh, the abundance of gifts, the presents that you're going to get, and the food that you're going to consume... Do not forget that the main reason for that is Jesus coming down from heaven to be the living and perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine. Amen? And it's worth the wait. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message for us this evening. We ask now, Father God, for forgiveness for our sins, Lord God, for the many times that we've argued with you 
and we think that you're wait, taking way too long, Lord God, for, for you to help us in our needs, Lord God. We know, Father, that you know better than us. So forgive us, Lord God, for those times. And we ask, Father, for wisdom. Wisdom to, to trust you, Father. Wisdom to, to know what you're telling us is true and is, is right for us. Father, help us to be honest. Help us to be faithful. Help us, Lord God, to live for you. And help us, Lord God, to be patiently waiting for you. We pray now, Lord, for those who are sick. I pray for their healing, Lord God. I pray for brutal, broken relationships. And again, Lord God, I pray for the salvation of those who are lost that you've brought in this building tonight. I pray for their salvation. We ask all of this in your mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Uh, let's all rise for the closing song. And if you have any decisions you want to make this evening.